Well, good morning, church family. How are you all this morning? Good. I was standing in the back and um, making my, my joyful noise to the Lord this morning, and I thought to myself as I was standing back there, I said, man, I, um, <clears throat> I'm really thankful that we have a lot of people in our church who are much more gifted than I am uh, at singing and leading in worship. I'm very thankful for them this morning. And uh, trust me, if you would have been standing in the back hallway with me, you also would have been very thankful for the people that we have that lead worship um, for us here. Uh, this morning, we're going to continue in our Overcome series that Pastor Michael has been walking through. We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1 is where we're going this morning as we continue to talk about what it looks like to overcome in our lives. I, I hope that for you guys, this has been a series that you found helpful. And this morning, um, I truly want to be uh, bring you a message and a word of encouragement this morning. Because I think for a lot of us, we, we come to points in our lives where we begin to look around and we just want a word of encouragement. And this morning, I hope that this, is, this will be something that you can take encouragement away from. As we dive into the book of 1 Peter this morning, we're going to look at how we overcome when we prioritize the imperishable. Priorities in our lives are something that we all understand. We all have a list of priorities. Whether or not we stick to those priorities is a completely different story, but we all have priorities. We all have things that we lay out in our life and we say, okay, these are the things that I'm going to do first, and then these are my next priorities. And we have things that we lay out in our lives and we say, okay, these are the things that are important. And these are the things that are not so important. And those priorities, they may change. They may become something else. They may move over time, but no matter who we are, no matter what we have going on in our life, we are always people who have priorities. But if we're not careful in our lives, what we begin to do and what we're going to look at today is we begin to prioritize the wrong things. Not necessarily that they're bad things, but we begin to prioritize things that pass away. We begin to prioritize things in our lives that no matter how hard we try to hold on to them, no matter how hard we try to maintain them or keep them up, eventually they will fade. As I thought about things that are perishable in our lives, is something that we are very familiar with here. And one of the things that, that always pops into my mind that I kind of thought was just an, an, infinite, an infinite resource um, is gas that you put in your car. Do you guys know you have to keep putting gas in your car to keep it running? You guys all knew that? Okay. Well, as a 16-year-old, I didn't. In theory, I did. I, I understood the general idea of there are gas stations on the side of the road, and you're supposed to stop at them and put gas in your car. But in practice, I did not always understand that. I, I had this mindset where I would be driving down the road, and the light would come on in my car, and it would immediately send something in my brain. But what it sent to my brain was not, hey, get gas. What it sent to my brain was, I should probably start thinking about maybe getting gas sometime soon. And then I would drive a little further and a little further and a little further. And normally what would end up happening is I would have someone who was riding with me or they would get in my car to do something and they would be like, hey man, did you know that, is your gas gauge broken? Would be the question that I would get a lot. Like, no, my gas gauge works just fine. And they're like, well, you know, it's like on the underside of E. And I, I saw this I saw this great picture that described my life very well, and it was a guy, and he's sitting in his car, and he's looking at his gas gauge, and it's right on the line. I mean, it is on E, tilting a little bit below it, and, and the caption on it, it said, perspective changes everything, and the guy was laid over in his car looking at it, and suddenly the gas gauge was back up above E, and I thought, man, that, 
that describes my life perfectly. But in our lives, we begin to prioritize things. And you, I mean, you all know how this story goes. I found myself on the side of the road with no gas calling my parents. And they said, well, is your gas gauge broken? I said, no, it's not broken. I just, you know, things. Things happened and I didn't get gas. And they made me walk home. It was not very fun. Um, but we begin to prioritize things in our lives that pass away. Everything that we begin to think about when we look at our life, there are things that we value, things that we hold on to, that they're going to fade away. Things that are going to come to a point where we have them no more, where they are gone. And this morning, I want us to look in 1 Peter chapter 1, because Peter gives us three things in our lives that are imperishable, that they will not fade away, that they don't, they're not going anywhere. And we're going to begin to see how when we want to overcome, for us to overcome in our life, we must prioritize the imperishable. This morning, we're going to read in 1 Peter chapter 1, and we're going to read a long section. We're basically going to read the whole chapter, uh, chapter one of first Peter. So bear with me. We're going to start in verse three and we're going all the way to verse 25. This is what the word of the Lord says in first Peter this morning. It says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus, because of his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you. You are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You rejoice in this even though now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials so that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which though perishable is refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Christ Jesus. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though not seeing him now, you believe in him and you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that would come to you searched and carefully investigated they inquired into what time or what circumstances the spirit of Christ within them was indicating uh, the spirit of Christ within them was indicating when he testified in advance to the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you. These things have now been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Angels long to catch a glimpse of these things. Verse 13 says, therefore, with your minds ready for action, be sober-minded and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. I just want to stop right there and tell you that the Bible is the one who says, don't be conformed to your ignorance. So in a minute, when we get to it and we say, don't conform to your ignorance, it's not me, I promise. It's, it's right there. I just want to point that out. So we don't have to go back to it. Verse 15, but as, as the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. If you appeal to the father who judges impartially according to each one's work, you are to conduct yourselves in reverence during your time living as strangers. For you know that you are redeemed from your empty way of life, inherited from your fathers, not with perishable things like silver or gold, 
but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of an unblemished and spotless lamb. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for you. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Since you have purified yourselves by your obedience to the truth, so that you show sincere brotherly love for each other, from a pure heart, love one another constantly, because you have been born again, not of a perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like a flower of the grass. But the grass withers and the flower fails, but the word of the Lord remains forever. This morning, as we think about the idea of overcoming, and we think about the idea, idea of priorities in our life, well, we're going to begin to dive in, and we're going to see three imperishables in our lives that help us overcome when we prioritize them and remember them in our lives above all else. The first imperishable that we see, we find in verse 6 and 7, where Peter reminds the people that the first imperishable that they find in their life is an imperishable faith, a faith that doesn't pass away, a faith that is not just a momentary thing. It is not just something that they're holding on to for a second or something that they've made a one-moment decision about that will be forgotten the next day. Peter writes to them, and he even says in here, he says, um, he says you may suffer uh, various trials for now, but remember your faith. For us today, I think it's important that we, we look at our faith in our lives and we realize that, that for those of us in our lives who have made a decision to follow Jesus, that our faith is something that we must hold on to when times get tough because it's not going anywhere. It's not going to fade it may feel like it's fading. There may be moments where it feels or it seems like it's not going the way that we want it, but it's a reminder here today. He says that our faith, that it is imperishable, that it will not fade away. It will not one day wake up and it will not be gone. But Peter shows us a couple of things about our faith. The first thing he shows us is that it's tested in trials. And trials, they're not easy. Trials, it says they're varied. They may be different for, for other people. But no matter what trial it is, no matter what testing it may look like, no matter how it takes shape, there's a reminder that for those of us who have put our faith in Jesus, that those trials, that they are in the hands of God. That we may feel like we're overwhelmed. It may seem as if everything is falling apart around us. But an imperishable faith remains because it is in the hands of God. The example that he uses here is the, the idea of the imperishable faith versus a perishable gold or a gold that is, is refined through fire. It's a great reminder for us that in our lives, our faith walks through the same things. That in moments of trial and of testing, we can look at it as simply something that is tearing us down or we can choose to see it as something that is making us better, that is revealing who we truly are. What happens you know, with, with, with gold is they put it in, the, in fire and it burns away everything that is not pure gold. And so it separates all the minerals and all, all the different elements that are there and it pulls it all apart to reveal the pure gold that is there in the center. Our faith is tested in trials, but also in, in these trials we find that our faith is proved genuine. Because it's easy for us to slip in moments like this. 
when we walk through trials, when we're being tested, when we're being refined to find out who we truly are in imperishable faith, it's tested and it's, fa- it's proved genuine. This idea makes me think of Matthew chapter 13, where we find a parable that you guys are all probably very familiar with. You could probably tell it uh, as, well as, as well as, if not better than I could. But you find Jesus is talking to a group of people and he begins to tell them about a man who goes out one day to sow seeds. And the man goes out um, and he begins to throw some seed and some of it goes onto a road on a path and it's immediately devoured by birds. Some of the seed that he sows is on rocky ground and though it starts to try to take root and try to grow, the sun comes out and scorches it before it can truly uh, bring fruit. Some of the seed that is thrown out lands in a thorn patch, and the thorns, uh, though the seed takes root and begins to grow, it is very quickly, the Bible uses the term, choked out by the thorns around it, by the things around it. The Bible tells us that some seed, it falls on good ground and it produces. In times of trial, what we see is this testing, that it shows and it proves the genuineness of our faith. An imperishable faith that will not pass away is proved genuine In times of trial, we see the story of the parable of the sower and we see these different seeds that are placed out and and they take root in different ways. And we can probably think about in our own lives, either people that we know or stories that we've heard or even moments in our own life where we have felt like these different things. People that we know who they have started in a moment of I'm all in everything. I, I am ready to do what God has called me to do. I'm ready to live my faith out. And then trials begin, and very quickly, that faith is taken away. That faith is choked out. That faith is trampled or taken away, as in this, this parable here. But some of the seed falls on good ground, and it produces. As we think about an imperishable faith, I want to remind you this morning that our faith is tested in trial. It's proved genuine, but it is something that cannot be taken away. And what I love here on this first imperishable, as Peter says, a faith that is tested and a faith that is proved genuine, the result is praise. He says that this refining, it may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though not seeing him now, you believe in him and you rejoice because you are receiving the goal of your faith. It's a great reminder for us this morning that our faith is imperishable. It cannot be taken away. When it's tested through trials, it's not going to break us. It's not going to bring us down. It simply makes us better, and it proves the genuineness of our faith, and the result is praise. As we look at the lives of believers, we realize that our lives are characterized by this idea of hope. Over these past months, you know, we've been thinking and working and we've all been dealing with all these things. And, and I've had these conversations with people who keep coming back to this idea of hope. And a hope that is found not in things of this world or things that people can do, but a hope that is found in an imperishable faith that has been proved genuine and tested in trials and leads people to a point where they say, hey, no matter what's going on around us, we're going to praise We know that God is working. We know that things are going to work. And it's a hope that characterizes the life of a believer. A hope that comes from an imperishable faith in what Jesus has done for us. 
But as we read this passage, we see that our faith is not the only thing that is imperishable this morning. As Peter goes on, he gets over to verse 18 and 19, we find the next thing where Peter begins to talk about how our imperishable faith, the faith that we have that will not fade away, that sticks with us no matter what and is genuine, he says, it's made possible through an imperishable ransom. As we think about a ransom in our lives, we've all, you know, uh, we've seen We've seen movies where ransoms are dealt with, or we understand that a ransom is something that something is being held, and there's an amount that has to be paid to get whatever it is back. To get whatever is being held ransom, there's always a price that comes with it. What we see in this here is we see uh, Peter lays it out very, very, very clearly. He says, You know that you were redeemed from your empty way. Not with perishable things like silver and gold, not with money. He said, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of an unblemished and spotless lamb. This morning, as we think about an imperishable ransom, as we think about how do we overcome in our lives, there's two things I think we see about an imperishable ransom that Peter points out here that help us to overcome when we prioritize remembering that we have been ransomed, not with silver and gold, there was not a money price on our head. There was not an, a dollar sign next to our name that said, well, you know, Stephen was a, he was a, he was a pretty rough teenager and he did have made a lot of mistakes and he's done this and that and this. So his ransom is, is X amount of dollars. And this person, well, you know, they haven't done that much. And so they have a pretty small ransom that the ransom has been paid, not in money, but in the blood of Jesus. As a result of that in our lives, it must turn, the first thing it does is it reminds us that we are to turn from sin. In hard times, I've often found in my life that temptation seems to be on a rise when my life is hard. When my life is good, it's easy to avoid temptation. It's easy to see clearly what is right, what is wrong, what I should do, what I shouldn't do. But in times of trouble, I so many times find myself reverting back to old ways, moving back to things that I look at in my life and I say, man, why, why did I do that? Why, how did I end up here again? And I find myself in moments of trial, of falling and sliding easily back into those things, but we're reminded in verse 18 <clears throat> that we have been bought with a price. We have been redeemed from our empty ways. It's a great reminder in verse 14, he says, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance, but as the one who called you is holy, be holy. Verse 14 reminds us, and Peter shows us here that in our moments of trial, we're tempted to slip into sin. Temptation begins to come at us, and, and when we're struggling and when things are not going our way, it's easy to look around and say, man, I remember how this used to feel, and I think I liked it. Man, I remember this sin that was in my life, and I had some good times doing that. Maybe if I go back to it, it'll bring that feeling again. Maybe if I return to that, it'll help me get through this hard moment that I'm facing. But I'm here to remind you today that these things that Peter calls us, again, Peter, verse 14, we already looked at it once. Peter says, if you return to these things in moments of trial, it's ignorant. Peter said that, not me. <laughs> One more time, I want to clarify. He says, when we return to these ways, it is ignorance. 
In our lives, it's easy to do this, but when we remember the imperishable ransom that has been paid for us, we, we are motivated to turn from sin and motivated for obedience. It's easy to begin to look at this passage and begin to think that Peter is telling us in verse 14, again, as he says, obedient children, be holy as I am holy. And he, go, he talks about how if we're going to appeal to our father who judges impartially, that we should conduct ourselves with reverence and obedience out of that. It's, begin, it's easy to begin to look at an imperishable ransom and say, well, because God has done these things for me, then I have to do this. I must follow these things. And if I don't do it, then he's going to be angry with me. If I don't do it, then I've failed or I've messed up or I've, I've missed the mark. But what I love here is an imperishable ransom. It turns us from sin, but it motivates us for obedience. Not an obligation, not something that's held over our head as a checklist of you did these things wrong, but an imperishable ransom reminds us in times of trial, in hard times when it's easy to slip into temptation, when it's easy to give in to sin, to take a stand and say, no, I have been bought with a price and I am motivated towards obedience. I think about my idea of driving a car again when I, when I first started driving, I, um, I, I sort of had this idea in my mind that, you know, uh, you get behind the wheel and, and you're in control. And you can do what you want and you can go where you want and you have freedom and you have all these different things. And I remember uh, the, the first time I was driving um, with, with some of my family and, um, you know, we, uh, we, we did one of those, those famous, I was, I was 15 and I was driving. Uh, I, I grew up in Alabama and so, you know, uh, we, we permits were, you know, suggested on some roads in Alabama. And so we're out in the middle of nowhere and I was driving and um, we go around this huge curve leading to the place that we were going. And we got to the other side of the curve and I remember I, I took this and I was just feeling this rush during this moment. And we got to the other side of the curve and I looked over and the person next to me said, hey, could you uh, pull over to the side of the road, please? I was like, yeah, sure, what? I, I'm feeling great right now, what, what do you want? And we pulled over and I stopped the car and they said, okay, uh, put it in park. We're going to switch places, and I'm going to I'm going to drive the rest of the way. And they got in the pad, They got in the driver's side, and they said, um, "Listen, you you got to learn how to drive a little slower. You gotta you gotta learn a little bit about the car you're driving and about taking turns and about all these different things that you had to learn as you grow." And I begin to think, well, man, driving isn't all that I thought it was going to be. Driving has all these rules and regulations and all these things that I have to follow and I have to do. This is the worst. I don't even want to do this anymore. Mom, can you just keep dropping me off at the movie theater, please? That's much more convenient. What I begin to learn, and it reminded me of this as I read in 1 Peter, as we were talking about an imperishable ransom, and how it motivates us for obedience, that the driver of a car, a confident driver, um, possesses a healthy fear that leads him or her to make wise decisions while in their car. In our lives, it's important that we remember the ransom that has been paid, that we remember the cost for us. That we remember that we have been bought with a price through the blood of Jesus. And we can be, live confidently in our lives with a healthy understanding and reverence of who God is. What he's done for us and it motivates us to make wise decisions. It motivates us to not simply say, oh man, I've got to do this because, you know, I mean like, this is what the pastor said I have to do, so I guess i got to do this. Well, the Bible said this, so I guess I've got to live my life this way. 
when we remember the imperishable ransom that has been paid in our lives and what God has done for us, it motivates us towards obedience. It's not forced, but it's expected and it's deserved. God has paid an imperishable price for us, a price that will not fade away, and he has done that for us freely so that we may know him. In 1 Peter, again, as we think about these, we see that we have an imperishable faith that was provided by an imperishable ransom, and it results in an imperishable standing. I think a lot of times in our lives what we begin to what we begin to do and we begin to struggle with is, and you, you see it in our world today. You see it when, when you talk um, to people around you, when you interact with others. Uh, we live in a world where, where it's, hard, it's, hard to, it's hard to identify who we are. We have general ideas about, you know, I do this, or this is what my job does, or these are the things that, you know, I'm good at, or things like that. We have general identifiers, but the reality of it is, is, is sometimes I, I think we struggle with knowing who we are and where we belong. Especially as we looked at in the beginning of this chapter, as things begin to be taken away from us, as our priorities begin to be wrecked and our priorities begin to change, we're left sometimes asking this question of, uh, who really am I? What's important to me? What do I have in my life to hold on to? What is it that I'm looking around and saying, man, this is who I am and this is what makes up who I am? But Peter reminds us in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, verse 22 and 23, he says, You have purified yourselves by obedience to the truth. Love one another constantly, because you have been born again, not of a perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and the enduring word of God. It's a great reminder this morning that our standing is imperishable. That who we are in our lives, that our standing, it's unchanging. But it all comes down to this idea of what is our standing? Who are we? When we look at our priorities, we begin to see who we are. Some people you look at and their, their priorities and their standing is defined by their job. It's defined by the title that they hold. The first thing that they want to tell you is what they do and what that means and how important it is to them in their life. For some people you interact with, it's, it's what they used to be good at. If I'm not careful, I, I can fall into this idea in my life. If people ask me about my life or they ask me, you know, what I'm doing or we get into conversations and, and I immediately want to run to, well, hey, let me tell you about what I did this one time. Let me tell you about what I used to be able to do. Let me tell you about something that used to be a part of my life. But I'm reminded this morning as we, as we read that, that those things, that they fade away and that they move in and out of our life. But we're reminded in 1 Peter chapter 1 that we have an imperishable standing that is given to us through the living and enduring word of God. Our lives, they fade. Our possessions, they fade. But the word of the Lord remains and what the word of the Lord says about us stands. And as I was reading and as I was thinking through this and working on this this morning, I began to understand and see and read and hear things like that the word of the Lord, the living and enduring word of the Lord says that we are co-heirs with Christ, that we are sons and daughters of the King, that we are redeemed 
that we are his, that we are the bride of Christ. We are adopted into the family. And these things, these things are the standing that will remain no matter what. When we begin to place our standing and our hope and our our lives on other things, we see that they quickly fade, that they quickly pass away. But an imperishable standing, it's not built on things that pass. It's built on, God, what do you say about me? God, I have a genuine faith, a faith that is imperishable. An imperishable ransom has been paid for me and it has changed how I live and it it has brought me to this place that has resulted in an imperishable standing that is made true by what God says about us. Not what the world says. Not what your best friend says. Not what a magazine says when you go through and take a quiz that says, hey, fill out these 10 answers and we'll tell you what career you should have had in your life. But an imperishable standing that remains these last verses we find in First Peter chapter 1, 23, 24, and 25, I think they show us very clearly as this, this example of the word of God where it says um, that all flesh is like grass and all its glory like a flower of the grass, but the grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord, it endures forever. It's a reminder this morning that our standing is imperishable because it's built on his word. It's built on who God says we are, and we know that his word, we see in this chapter, that it's death proof. And no matter what happens, it's not of perishable seed like you or I. Death itself cannot change our standing. Not only is it death proof, but it's sin proof. We have been forgiven, we have been ransomed with an imperishable ransom that is it's good today, it's good yesterday, today, and forever. It's not an excuse in our life to do whatever we want, but it's a reminder that even in our failures, even when we mess up, our standing is intact. It's death-proof, it's sin-proof, and it's time-proof. I love that verse. It says, The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Things can be taken. Stuff can be lost. Stuff can come and go and pass in and out, but the word of the Lord remains forever. This morning, church, I, I hope that you see that in our lives, that for us to overcome, we must prioritize the imperishable. Our priorities get out of whack. It's easy to do. It happens. But it's a reminder this morning, I hope an encouragement to you this morning, that we can overcome when we prioritize the imperishable in our life. An imperishable faith that's proved genuine through trials and results in praise. An imperishable ransom that reminds us of of whose we are and it, it turns us from sin and it motivates us towards obedience. And an imperishable standing that reminds us of what we will always be. For those of us who have made a decision to follow Jesus in our lives, that no matter what goes on around us, no matter what happens in our life, no matter what is thrown against us, that our standing is secure because God's word says it. Because he tells us that we are his. Because he tells us that we are his no matter what. And we can count on it in our lives.
an imperishable faith that reminds us of who we are, an imperishable ransom and an imperishable standing. When we prioritize those things in our lives, what we'll see is we begin to overcome. That we can move past anything in our life, that we can overcome the obstacles thrown against us, the things in front of us, because we say, God, I'm not worried about what these things are affecting or what these things are taking away, because God, I'm holding on to what will never change. I'm thankful for that this morning. And church, I hope that it's a word of encouragement for you as we pray together today. Father, we love you. And God, we are thankful for your word. God, I'm thankful this morning that no matter what goes on around us, God, that you will not change. God, I'm thankful that in times of trial that we can cling to our faith our faith that is real and is tested and pushes us towards you. God, I'm thankful that in times of trial that we can overcome when we recognize and prioritize the imperishable things in our life that will not fade and will not pass. Lord, I pray that you would help us to do that today. Make us people who prioritize the right things in our lives so that we together can overcome in our lives. Father, we love you. We're thankful again for all that you do for us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, church, I hope that I hope that that's encouraging for you this morning. And as we prepare to close, I want to remind you, whether you're with us in the room or if you're watching online, that, that we are thankful uh, for the continued support that you guys have shown us at Calvary through this time. It's, you know, it, it's weird to stand here today and say thank you for that when we're, you know, what, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, four days away from Thanksgiving. Can you guys believe that we're four days away from Thanksgiving? It's crazy. I... I was reminded of that we were close to Thanksgiving this week because we started decorating for Christmas. And I said, wait a minute, hold on. Did I miss something? Hold on. I'm, I feel like, wait, it can't be this time already. As you guys go this week, I want you to know that we're thankful for you. You can continue to support here in the room. We'll have uh, gentlemen with baskets at the doors. You can support online. You can use our giving link. You can find it through our website. We are thankful for you. One of the things I'm thankful for, though, is during the Christmas season and the Thanksgiving season here at Calvary, we are, we are a church that is about giving back. We're a church that's about reaching out and interacting with others and, and being a light in our community. And we're going to continue to do that this year. So before we leave, I want you to take just a quick moment, watch this video about what's going to be going on at Calvary over Christmas and during Thanksgiving and some things like that. And then after that video, you guys are dismissed. I hope you guys have an incredible rest of your day. Thank you so much for being here today. Watch this video. Calvary, we are so excited because it is that time of year again where we're This is our opportunity as a church family to provide for our local and global ministry partners. Locally, we're gonna be working with Bethel Family Housing and providing gifts for the children there. And globally, we're gonna be providing for the Romanian orphanages we work with by giving them gloves, mittens, and scarves. But Calvary, hold on, that's not all. Take it away, Stephen. Thanks, Audra. This year, along with Christmas for Families, we'll be hosting our very own Christmas wrap party. Now, you may be asking yourselves, what is a Christmas wrap party? 
on December 16th, a Wednesday night at 6 p.m., we'll be coming together, gathering all of our donations and preparing them to be sent to our ministry partners, both locally and globally. Now remember, this is a great event for you to participate in with your entire family. So bring everybody along Wednesday night, December 16th, as we prepare to reach out both globally and locally during this time. If you have any questions about Christmas for Families or our Christmas wrap party, be sure to stop by the back welcome desk and ask Audra for any help you may need.